Welcome. It is uh, seven minutes after 10 o'clock, and down in Alabama, lawmakers are trying to find a way to protect Alabama's in vitro fertilization services. Apparently, uh, the Supreme Court down there ruled that three couples who had frozen embryos destroyed uh, at, a, at a storage facility could pursue wrongful death claims uh, for their extrauterine children. Uh, justices cited uh, sweeping language that the uh, Republican legislature and voters added to the Alabama Constitution back in 2018, saying the state recognizes the rights of the unborn child. Well, this really gets um, gets into the weeds here when you think about this. They, if these eggs are considered these fertilized eggs are considered life then every one of them has to be frozen forever or they all have to be implanted James uh, sent me a message and, and he, mean, he, he meant this sarcastically but he makes a valid point he said so can those folks claim their frozen egg children on their taxes um, you know what, Brian? I, originally, I said yes, but because they haven't been born, they don't have a social security number. That is true. Yeah, so they'd have to get a social security number. They and the only name- way you could classify them as a quote dependent is if you know, like you said, well, they're in the freezer. That depends on you. <laughs> it's like, well, that's kind of a lame. Yeah, well, it's, it's it's an interesting thought. Maybe they have to apply for Social Security cards. And then when the embryos are like 65 years old, <laughs> we taxpayers can cover the cost. Yeah, uh, let's go on to Scott. If you're not sure whether it's life or not, isn't the prudent thing to play it safe and assume that it is? These are valid points. Women will have 10 or 15 of these eggs uh that are harvested and fertilized and frozen, if you consider it a life, then they will forever, somebody somebody will forever have to pay to maintain them. What happens after you die? Who pays then? Steve says, if you take the in vitro to the extreme on the life side... Isn't the process of freezing them and not having them inserted into a female womb almost immediately after creation a form of child abuse? Uh, those arguing it is a life must then concede that it is unfair to that life to linger in a freezer perhaps for decades. JR says when laws concerning in vitro fertilization with the laws concerning in vitro fertilization, I'm worried that eventually they will make a law where it is considered child abuse. Uh, <laughs> and I, you know, it, it cold read. You really got to watch. Uh, let me <laughs> that go. Was get, close. Yeah, that was close. Uh, Dan, good morning. Where do you stand on this? Well, I'd like to preface my comments by saying that I'm anti-science and I'm anti-pharmaceutical. And my concern is that pharmaceutical companies will acquire human embryos for the purpose of growing 
human life in a laboratory and selling products from people who have no identity and what protections are in place to prevent pharmaceutical companies from acquiring discarded embryos and growing them in a laboratory. I suppose there's great profit to be made from cannibalizing parts. Oh, now make me want to vomit. Yeah, good, valid point. Isn't that awful? But yeah. yeah, I mean, they do that now with aborted babies. They they harvest organs and and China and you know in the Epic Times they talk all the time about uh, discarding people and killing them for their organs because they're politically uh, unpopular and and the world is such a scary place and I I hope that this Alabama decision will perhaps provide some protection for human embryos that they might not be used for profit. What should happen to those embryos, Dan? Oh, gosh, I don't know. I don't know. That's that's difficult. I, I, I'm, I'm like you. I don't know what to do because I'm, I'm all in favor of parents that have difficulty conceiving a child, having some kind of a method. But I, I wish that there were some legal protection in place so that scientists can't get their hands on those embryos and use them for a different purpose. Yeah, I for agree with you. might you be know, great profit. An earlier caller had suggested one egg at a time gets fertilized, and I think that's going to be very expensive, but it is a solution to the problem that works. But I now am wondering what happens to all of those hundreds of thousands of fertilized eggs that are being frozen right now. What do we do? I mean, you can pay for the rest of your life, but when you die, then what happens? Who pays then? Yeah, I, I don't have an answer for that. I, I'm sorry. Yeah, I don't either. I don't but, Dan, you made a great point. Thank you for sharing. Glad, you bet. Glad to have you on the Gary Nolan Show. Yeah, you don't want a pharmaceutical company to, to harvest those eggs uh, and put them in a Petri dish somewhere and then start harvesting uh, DNA and things like that. That's just, that's just gross. Uh, Ralph says, I am glad to hear that the subject is coming to the fore. I've always thought of a person says life begins at conception, which I do, he says. He's referring to himself. Then you can't be okay with this process, which he is not. And unfortunate as it seems, this process needs to stop unless that can be rectified. Also, the solution, keeping the embryos frozen, seems problematic as a form of imprisonment without cause if you consider an embryo a life which folks would consider adoption, and the state would cut the red tape to make that affordable. I agree with you on the red tape and making adoption affordable, uh, but if somebody wants a child, uh, you know, if a couple wants a child of their own, the solution is, I think, with our, uh, one of our, I think our first caller, one egg at a time. You know, this is the price you pay this is how much it costs. We don't care. This is what it costs to do this. And and then uh, you implant them and, and see where it goes from there. Now you don't have a dozen of them uh, stuck in a freezer. So I, I think that's a great solution. But it doesn't resolve the problem of what to do with the eggs that are already fertilized. Uh, and there are probably tens of thousands of them. 
in in the state of uh, Alabama, and and frankly, uh, hundreds of thousands, if not more, around around the country. What happens to them? Do we have to pay forever? Do the can the do the parents have to set up a trust fund uh, to fund this forever? Is there a point where they die? Uh, they can only be frozen for so long. I don't know the answers to these questions. But we really do need to resolve them. We do need to investigate this. Carol says, Gary, perhaps the eggs could be frozen and fertilized later once the surrogate, uh, once in the surrogate mom. Well, you know, if, if they harvest the eggs and freeze them, I'm not sure if you can harvest the sperm. It may not work that way, but it is a bit of a problem. Uh, you want to weigh in? 874-9390 if you're local. Toll-free 800-529-5572 if you're not. Know that uh, Jennifer Bukowski is going to be with us. She's going to talk about this problem But she's also going to talk about what's going on in Georgia with the uh, prosecutors perhaps lying under oath. All that comes up. 10.35 on the Gary Nolan Show, the Zimmer Radio Network. It is 20 minutes after 10 o'clock. Jennifer Bukowski, she'll be with us at 10.35. We'll talk about Georgia. Uh, Apparently, the divorce attorney... For Fannie Willis's uh, boyfriend is being compelled to testify. If he blows a hole in the uh, the whole, uh, it didn't start until long after I hired him. Uh, uh, argument of Fannie Willis, then it's proof positive that an agent of the court has committed perjury. Uh, not only is uh, her prosecutorial career over, perhaps her legal career as well. Jennifer is a criminal defense attorney and a brilliant one at that. We'll get her input. That's at 1035. In the meantime, if you want to call on the embryos question, Alabama says that the embryo is alive, even if it's frozen. It's a life. What do we do with those thousands of frozen embryos that somebody has to pay forever uh, to maintain? Uh, some people think it's not a life. I actually, it, it, listeners have changed my mind on this. I used to think, well, it's really a life when uh, the uh, the egg is in utero. But, you know, the sperm and the egg get together. It, it is a life. I mean, there is that little spark of light. And I'm not kidding about that. That's exactly what happens. The, the energy creates a spark of life when the egg and the sperm are, are united. So now we have all of these frozen embryos. Do we pay forever and ever and ever? What do we do with them? 874-9390, toll-free number 800-529-5572. Uh, the spy in your pocket, we'll get around to that. Uh, today, we've, I'm, not, I'm not sure how long it'll take to, to, uh, to actually uh, get to that, but we will we'll try. Uh, in the meantime, let me go to the phones. Gary is on the line. Good morning. Yeah, good morning. I, I got a possible solution and see what you think. Uh, we do it all the time with cattle. I've done it with my cattle to take the in vitro. You know, first you start 
their oocytes before they're fertilized. And the viability is so much different than natural conception because you'll start out with maybe 20 oocytes, and then once you, you only get maybe a dozen or three-fourths of them to fertilize, and then once they're fertilized, they have to incubate and grow uh, to make sure they're, they're alive. Then you freeze them, and then what you freeze, once they're thawed and put in about 25% to 40% become live animals. So here's what we do with cattle when we have too many of them. <laughs> hey, don't laugh because it's forward thinking. Uh, couples that want a baby, they pay for, some of them pay for babies. Maybe they want a baby and they want to start from the beginning of the process and the male impotent and so they uh sell them they sell the unused for couples that want to have child from the beginning yeah what if they don't sell them all what if they're just still in a freezer i think the and you know i i don't believe in abortion and all that but i think the viability is so low so low for courts it's so speculative what you can what you can get to stand legally, it's too much speculation of what, if they can take as a pregnancy or not. I think they have to be, the woman has to become pregnant uh, in order, and that usually happens on the implant between day seven and day 11 in, in the uterus. So uh, I don't know. They're just, the percentage are so low, but... Hey, on value of those embryos, though, say you had, we could do it like cattle. Say you had embryos that they were going to be Michael Jordans or Einstein's or uh, uh, Usain Bolt's people. Uh, those embryos would be worth more money. So that well, would under be. Those, under those qualifications, mine would be worth billions. I was going to say that. You might have to pay. <laughs> no, it wouldn't be that bad. You'd right. probably be worth something for radio, but I, I don't know. I, uh, I think you know. Uh, I got to tell you, Gary, a dashingly handsome talk show host. Who's <coughs> who, who, I agree, Gary. Yours would be worth billions because if yeah. we can get if we can get eight nine k for a towel frozen embryo. You know, per person should be worth lots of money. All right. Gary, I got to run. Thank you for the call. Glad to have you on the Gary Nolcha. Brian, you were not feeling well uh, yesterday. No, I wasn't. And you're, before, you're causing my cough to come up again. Oh, it's my yeah, fault. It I, is, I don't yeah. know why. Please I, don't talk about your, uh, your fantasy anymore. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I, uh, I'm, I'm not going to have to. I've got a couple of other topics that I want to get to, uh, and I'm going to have to get to them uh, sometime in the uh, final hour of the program because Jennifer Bukowski is going to be with us in about five minutes. Uh, there is a, a, a book, uh, means of, it's called The Spy in Your Pocket, Means of Control, uh, by Brian Tao. And we were talking about this yesterday. I was talking about this TV set that I bought. Uh, I spent like 500 bucks at a 
big screen TV. I got it home, opened it up, hung it on the wall, connected it, and found out that I couldn't use the apps that I had unless I agreed to let them monitor what I watch uh, so they could tailor ads and things. And I was frustrated and angry, and I actually want to sue them for this. Uh, but there, there are more people collecting more information, and law enforcement is using it. They're buying it. And I've got a really uh, distressing story, and I'll, I'll talk about it in, uh, in the next hour, about a guy whose cell phone got him in trouble, even though there was no warrant, no search warrant, but law enforcement got his cell phone, you know, his geolocation, and uh, he ended up going to prison. So we'll, we'll kick that around in the next hour. In the meantime, very briefly here, I'm going to, you know what, Brian, I'm, I'm going to go grab a phone call and then I'll do this thing on electricians and electric outlets because I got a tip for you that I read this morning. Tony in Fordland, good morning on embryos. Good morning, Gary. Yes, on embryos. So this whole thing started because uh, an employee dropped some vial with eggs and people were upset. And then the question got bigger and bigger and bigger about the pro-life and the, uh, the existence of life. So there's only two ways to do this. If you're going to get the government involved and Alabama's a pro-life state, put, the, put it on the burden of the taxpayers of Alabama. If they want to keep these eggs frozen for the next 20, 40, 50 years and, uh, and keep them viable, then put it on the state. Other than that, it's between the person that put the eggs in there, the woman and the man to put the eggs and the sperm in there and for the in vitro fertilization clinic to work out a deal. Now, if I put my eggs in there and me and my wife decide we've got enough children, um, we don't know what to do with these eggs. There's only two options. Either I give them away to someone that needs them or I have them discarded. That's the two choices that should be between well, me they're saying and if the you discard them, you're, you're killing a human life. Okay, well, if the state's going to take that stand, then the state has to assume responsibility for the eggs, whether they are born or not. So the state so and the taxpayers have to bear the responsibility for your decision. Uh, uh, but, 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 but real quick, let me put it. If you don't like the way your state spends money on in vitro fertilization maintaining, you have the right and the option to move to Georgia, to move to Mississippi, to move to Tennessee. There's no one says you have to live in a state that charges money to preserve eggs. So if the state wants to get involved, just like anybody else, you want to get involved, put your money in there. Other than that, if you ain't got no money to put on it, step away from the subject. All right, That's Tony, thank you very much. All right, glad to have you on the Gary Nolan Show. All right, very quickly, uh, Brian, do you have any light switches uh, that control electric outlets in your house? Um, no, we don't, as a matter of fact. Uh -huh. Have you ever lived in a house that did? Yes. Uh-huh. Well, here's the electrician's tip. When you have one of those outlets that is controlled by a light switch, install it upside down. That way you always know which socket is controlled by a switch. Oh, okay. Apparently this is what electricians have been doing. Uh, it's not exactly, uh, well, it, it's, it's different than what is prescribed, but it's a quick way to identify what, you know, what you're plugging in. Yep, that's a switch socket. It's upside down. All right, Jennifer Bukowski is next.
Georgia. The prosecutors testifying. What's up? That's next. Gary Nolan. This is the Gary Nolan Show. Oh, bravo, Sierra. I bet with Brian that Jennifer would call by 1035. <laughs> oh, you know what? It's still 1035. That is true, yeah. So I win. Well, not exactly. We don't actually have her on yet. Well, we can. I can hit the button, too, you know. There we go. <laughs> Jennifer Bukowski, uh, brilliant criminal defense attorney, uh, and uh, we're going to pick her brain on what's going on in Georgia. That's where we're going to start. Jennifer, good morning, and uh, thank goodness you called uh, before 1036. <laughs> good morning, Gary. Because I bet on you. Why, was I, that the bet? Oh, boy. I bet that you would you would call in before uh, 1036, and, and Brian said after. So... Thank you. All right. Well, Brian think, has little faith in me, I guess. I think I have dinner coming at CeCe's. I think that was the bet. Anyway, uh, let's uh, let's look at what's going on in Georgia. The judge in the Fannie Willis uh, ordeal has uh, determined that her boyfriend's divorce attorney doesn't have attorney-client privilege and has to testify. That's yeah, this is interesting and big news, potentially, Gary, because uh, Nathan Wade, Bonnie's former paramour, who's a special prosecutor in the case against Trump, he was law partners and friends for many years with his own divorce attorney. And his divorce attorney was subpoenaed to testify about the length of the relationship between Bonnie Willis and Nathan Wade because Ashley uh, Meyer, the the attorney that undercover, uncovered all this on behalf of her client, Michael Roman, said, hey, uh, here's some text messages between us where you're admitting that this affair was going on for a year longer than they just testified under oath in court that it took place. So on Friday, the Trump team had this big motion, a big filing that showed phone records that strongly indicate by circumstantial evidence that they were indeed together like a year longer than they testified under oath at, to the court that they were, given the like timing of the visits and the number of the texts and phone calls exchanged between them in 2021, which is a year before they claimed that the affair began. Um, and now uh, the judge yesterday had an in-camera hearing, which is like a private hearing with the divorce attorney who claimed attorney-client privilege say, I can't say anything that I learned from this relationship. Well, the judge said, no, that's not the case, because I guess he knew stuff before he was a defense attorney, before he was a divorce attorney for his friend, and that stuff certainly isn't covered by attorney-client privilege. So uh, today, it's expected that the divorce attorney will be testifying. So this, this um, is important if, in fact... Uh, he he told his friend, or his friend was aware that he was having this affair uh, prior to the divorce. So, you know, if he didn't admit to the affair, then we got nothing. Well, we saw the phone records that strongly indicate that they did lie to the court <laughs> about the, the length of their relationship, given the hours and stuff. I mean, they can't say for sure that he was at her house, but there's really, not, or her condo, but there's really nothing else that he could have been doing the hours from, you know, two in the morning to five in the morning when he would have been there uh, that would have been open in that area. 
So it's like all likelihood, yeah, he was at her house spending the night. They didn't want the phone records introduced. Now, did did they? Uh, did the court say yes? We can introduce those. The phone well, records the court, for, for for the, the sake. Hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. For the sake of listeners, uh, these phone records would indicate that these two were together, um, and it, it, because the geolocation, it won't, it won't tell you exactly where, but certainly uh, you know off the same cell tower. And also, yes. there there's like thousands of text messages and phone calls. And phone calls, yeah. So did the court say we're you can introduce this? Well, I don't know if the court has ruled one way or the other on the motion because it was a motion that was trying to say, hey, here's some evidence that impeaches the witnesses and... We need to be able to call Fonnie Willis and ask her about these because it looks like she perpetrated a fraud on this court by lying to you, Judge. So whether they get to recall Fonnie and ask her about these things remains to be seen. But it's not a good look for the prosecutor of Georgia to be saying, oh, phone records aren't reliable. Uh, hello, you guys use phone records to put people behind bars all the time. You know, like it's ridiculous for them to be claiming that. And uh it's uh, not a good look if she did, in fact, lie to the court about the length of this relationship, and they both did, because then, you know, you're colluding together. Now, the judge wouldn't be in charge of prosecuting them for perjury, but it couldn't. It could certainly weigh into him when he considers their testimony and whether or not Fani does have this conflict and needs to be disqualified from this case. Although one thing, Gary, is this lady is such a bad attorney. I'm like, do we really want her off the case? Is that really what we want here? Because these two don't seem to be that bright. Well, the um, if she, in fact, if, if these two prosecutors did, in fact, commit perjury, lied yeah. to the court, then wouldn't she be subject to losing her law license? Yeah, I mean, those would be different proceedings. She could be subject to perjury proceedings. The trouble is she is the prosecutor, so who's going to bring those? Like, what would the mechanism be for a special prosecutor to be brought into prosecutor for that? But also, bar discipline, and with as aggressive as, like, the Trump team and as many lawyers as she's having to tangle with down there, while normally lawyers don't initiate those kind of things against each other, I can see that happening in this case. So this judge can't call a special prosecutor. What? What? what if he finds Not that she has, If he finds that she has lied to him under oath, lied to the court. What recourse does he have? What can he do? Well, he can not believe her testimony that she did have $4,000 in cash and she's paying for half of these trips. And he could find, yes, the defense's motion saying that she was financial, financially benefited by this because she was broke and then she hires this paramour and then they're traveling all, all over the place together. That yeah, she was uh, financially benefiting from this appointment of her boyfriend into this case and she should be disqualified. So but he doesn't did. have prosecution power to like initiate prosecutions or bar discipline power to initiate those proceedings. Those would have to be initiated by others. But the bar discipline one, actually, the judge could refer to the state bar, and then they would have to decide whether or not to initiate proceedings against her. But he could and have something with high profile that could happen. 
So the best he could do, I mean, really uh, do, is get her bounced from this case. And then another yes. prosecutor would take over. Yes. And then you have to hope that the other prosecutor isn't so gung-ho anti-Trump. But if I'm not mistaken, all the prosecutors in her office, I think she's hired them. If she hired them, then... Yeah, but you'd have to... Yeah, you'd have to... I think her whole office would be disqualified, Gary. They'd have to go outside for a special prosecutor. Like Nathan Wade, ironically. But someone that would be, you know, hopefully fair and impartial in making the prosecutorial decisions here. And they could dismiss the case. They could find that certain counts are unwarranted and dismiss it. That's what the new special prosecutor would have the power to do. Not saying that that would happen, but that could, I mean, that would be within the purview of the new special prosecutor to change the charges or drop some charges. This is going to be interesting. This is all going to unfold this afternoon, is it not? Yeah, I mean, the divorce attorney has to testify today. What an awkward day. I cannot imagine. Okay, so here you have your friend, the lawyer, your law partner's with, and also represented in a divorce. Like, that's awkward because maybe don't represent your friends in divorces, so I don't know if this was foreseeable. But then uh, now you're going to be in a position where you're either going to have to potentially, your friends are hoping that you perjure them yourself for them, maybe? I don't know. Like, I'm just speculating. But that might be why they've been fighting tooth and nail to prevent this guy from testifying because he would maybe call them out and say yes it's true the fair lasted longer because remember Fonnie Willis had this friend from college that she's been friends with you know 30 years they you know weren't friends as close for a while but they have been in the last several years and she worked for Fonnie and uh, yeah they stopped being friends like a year ago or something but she's like yeah the relationship started well before they testified that it did this would corroborate that 30-year college friend of Fonny's. Wow. I guess I'll be... But can you imagine, like, how dumb are you? Like, this is a high-profile thing. You're going to get caught, you know? Lying to the court. I Just admit it or whatever and get DQ'd from the case. Don't sink your legal career over this in such a spectacular fashion and be proven a liar. I don't know so, what they're thinking. So you don't believe that uh, Fanny took thousands of dollars in cash with her uh, on a vacation to Belize, you, you you find that not plausible, huh? It just it boggles my mind because she's talking about how broke she was in her book, and she's talking about how broke she was at different points. But then they're trying to say, oh, it's a black thing to have a bunch of cash. You know, I have cash too, but I also pay. I don't have like a tax lien for four thousand dollars. It causes problems for me filing for office or whatever it was that she had faced. You know, maybe I'm late on a bill here or there, but that's what I would have said when they're asking me about that. Like, oh, I didn't know about that. That's why I didn't use my cash to pay that bill. Not, now you're going to tell me how to pay my bills? That's what uh, she replied when she was asked about it and confronted by it by the defense attorney in this case. It's not plausible that she that the two of them constantly dealt with cash and that it never uh, shows up on their banking accounts. It's not plausible that uh, yeah, he so got cash. He just has thousands of dollars of cash in his house because he never deposited. Well, I don't know that we have his bank records to see if he would have had any cash deposits. So. Well, he said that his clients often pay him in cash. 
I would think the IRS would be very interested in that. Yeah, I've only had, I've had like, I've had some payment in cash, only one where it was like $5,000 ever. And so that was notable to me. I, I know it's a little different for defense attorneys to handle big drug cases and stuff, but uh, sometimes they get more cash, but interesting, isn't it? Yeah. And who could, you know, if you jump on a plane with a couple thousand dollars in cash on you, very often the federal government... You can't government, have more than 10. You can't have more than 10, or you have to declare it. It's unbelievable. All right. We're up against the clock. we got to take a quick break. Uh, we're going to come back. Uh, Georgia's student allegedly murdered by an illegal immigrant. Let's chat about that with Jennifer Bukowski, the criminal defense attorney of all time. Next on The Gary Nolan Show. It is uh, 53 minutes after 10 o'clock. Jennifer Bukowski is with us. And uh, we got a bunch of stories here that uh, that she wants to hit. And I'm, I'm, it's, it's like I've, I'm, I'm overwhelmed. Uh, but I'm going to try and get through this, and uh, let's uh, let's do the um, the immigration uh, immigration and crime. Uh, Georgia student allegedly murdered by illegal immigrants. CNN says little evidence indicating a connection between immigration and crime. And your response to that is? Well, at least CNN is. Uh mentioning that it's an illegal immigrant that killed this nursing student over the weekend. There's actually a pair of stories over this weekend, Gary, that are going to be important in the the election we have facing us in November. It says in the Alabama ICE, like, this is fodder for the right, and the IVF case is fodder for the left that they're going to make ads about and everything else, but there's a good reason that the right will make hay out of this because this was a decision, a conscious decision on Biden's part to keep this border open, to take away the remain in Mexico policies that Trump had enacted um, and to allow seven or eight million people to flood our country. And then you have sanctuary states who are not putting detainers on people that they catch once they're in our country committing crimes. And this individual who's accused of murdering this beautiful nursing students, one of them, and one has to wonder, but for Biden, if Trump had won, would she be dead right now? And I think the answer is no. So I think this will be a story that is used to make political hay, as tragic as it is. But I also think that this Alabama case, and I know you didn't bring it up, but I think that one is going to be possibly more damaging um, to the right. We I talked about the, the Alabama case. About we talked about the yeah. Alabama case uh, earlier this morning. If you were listening, you would have known that. Uh, but now that I find you haven't been listening, we have a fine. We'll send you a bill. Uh, but this time, uh, you have to send the money directly to me. Because when it goes to Brian, I, I never see any of it. It's just... Well, I sent it to you. No, no, you didn't. I think Brian. that you're just uh, putting it into the bank account. I just sent it in Bitcoin. So, check your wallet. <laughs> we, don't, we don't accept Bitcoin. <laughs> Yeah, we do. <laughs> all right, all right. Let's let's uh, let's move on. Um, so, the, the ratio of immigrants committing crimes has traditionally been lower than Americans committing crimes. They are generally, at least historically, less likely to commit crimes. The problem is that these sanctuary city, cities and sanctuary states are seducing everybody to come here. 
It's not. Yeah, including organized gangs of people that are committing theft. Especially oh, oh. when you have policies that are like, we won't prosecute you for less than $1,000. And they have gangs of people who, by the way, a lot of them are in debt to the cartels. So that's kind of a new nuance here. Every person that's coming here is making the cartels more powerful and rich. And some of these people are still beholden to these cartels. If they don't want to be trafficked, they need to make their payments. And so out of desperation, they might be going to these sanctuary places and committing crimes in gangs. So might it's, there, a, it's a new, yeah. It's a might, new, there, might there be a small government solution to all of this? If we had less... <laughs> well, no, less government. If we had less government, how much of these problems, how many of these problems would disappear? If, for instance... I, I think that's a good thing to ask when you're confronted with any problem. But in this case, I mean, it's government failing to do its basic duties. It's kind of encouraging the criminal behavior, first by luring people here, uh, enriching the cartels, indebting them to these cartels, and then not having a b proper border to keep them out, and then not prosecuting them or holding them and deporting them when they've committed crimes. Well, the problem then is too much government. For instance, you eliminate the war on drugs and, uh, you know, people can go to a drugstore and get what they want. Now the cartels are losing money hand over fist because there's no more smuggling. No, Barry, they're making far more money off of smuggling the humans than the Well, drugs uh, let right me get now. to that. Let me get to that. Again, too much government. You've got the government that is supplying them with food and housing and clothing and health care and education. Too much government. You quit redistributing wealth, something the founding fathers were not fans of, and you no longer have that as an issue. The, the people who want to come across the border then are people who want to go to work because they know they're not going to get free handouts from taxpayers. That's good. The more people that come here to work, the better the economy is. They produce and they consume. So, again, less government. The problem we have is big government. Now, if, if you were to do what I said, most people would prefer to walk through the front door than to go through the Rio Grande River or cross a desert or climb a mountain to get into the country. So now the only people that would be going to those extremes would be the bad guys. And you could much more easily capture them, far fewer in numbers, than you can today. So I, I would argue, Jen, that the problem here is too much government. Quick break. We'll be back. Jennifer Bukowski with us on The Gary Nolan Show. It's the Zimmer Radio Network. This is The Gary Nolan Show.